This is Framework Leadership. I'm Ken Dingle, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization, well, bring it to the next level. Today, I'm sitting down with Cy Rogers. As a young man, Cy experienced a radical transformation that took him from a path of destruction to really life of exponential impact. Today, he is one of the church's leading voices regarding sexuality, culture themes, and God's character. Sai, thanks for joining us on Framework Leadership. I'm so glad to be here and with you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Well, let's start out, before we get into your life story for our listeners, uh, who, you know, and maybe a lot of them aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about your story, about your ministry? Well, you know, I've been in full-time ministry for 39 years, and I specialize in addressing sexual and relationship issues, which, you know, quite a a daunting and challenging uh, theme in our society today. But uh, it's been an amazing learning curve as I live abroad and work around the world. I get to see how God is wanting to bring redemption and understanding in these areas that church cultures really had a hard time grappling with. Uh, And not just now where those issues confront our society, but it's been that way for years. But, you know, God loves to pour forth his redemptive insight and uh, paint a path back to himself for people who struggle in these ways. And uh, so I've been everything from a pastor in church to running support group meetings and uh, teaching and especially traveling and speaking in conferences, events, and in schools to provide education about our humanity. Why is it we struggle? What makes us vulnerable? And better than that, what we can do about it. Because obviously, if there's a problem, there's a solution. So bringing light to those things and empowering God's church and his people uh, to to reckon with those things in a way that is productive and uh, helps us also put a more redemptive face of God out there in culture that needs to know this God. And obviously, your passion for these issues and these challenges uh, that uh, everyone faces uh, as it relates to sexuality, um, a lot of it can come from your your maybe your background, your experiences, your childhood. So talk a little bit about that. Well, sure. I, I think, you know, my personal experiences uh, obviously make me very aware of what's happening in the world around me. Uh, it gives me an empathy for the congregations I serve, for the students I serve. Uh, I came from a background of childhood sex abuse, and uh, it was uh, an adult friend of the family that had access to me. And uh, after that, my mother is killed in an accident, and then my I'm separated from my father. All of this by the time I'm six. Mm. So you can appreciate with the foundation like that 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 would. Uh, that it would be a warping impact upon me. And and then growing up, I was further labeled and rejected. And, uh, you know, it filled me with a sense of inadequacy and self-doubt. But as further exploitation and then experimentation unfolded in my life, I learned as a young adult that if I need validation, I can trade sexuality for that validation. And that's true for a lot of people, you know, people who grow up feeling uh, devalued people who are hungry for affirmation. What's the old saying? Bad love is better than no love at all. It doesn't make it right, but it makes it understandable how people can be hijacked and seek to meet legitimate needs uh, in these ways that are ultimately self-defeating. So uh, I wouldn't have thought of it as self-defeating. All I knew is that this is the best love I've ever experienced. So even if you think it's wrong, it meets my need. 
And, and even when Christians would say, try to witness to me or would try to pressure me that, to rethink the way I was living, you know, I, I viewed that as you want me to conform to your standards so that you feel satisfied, I've aligned with your worldview, but you don't really care what meets my needs. You want to win an argument. You're not willing, willing to win me. Mm. And uh, in spite of these uh, challenges and including my attitude toward God, and I believed in God's existence and I believed in Jesus as uh, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, uh, I blamed God for my suffering in life. How can you possibly dare to ask me to trust you when you've allowed these things to happen? What more might you allow to happen to me? So in spite of those obstacles, though, I had an amazing breakthrough experience almost 40 years ago where, you know, I always say it's great you can go looking for God and find him if you seek, but it's also true he goes looking for lost sheep, perhaps because people prayed for me. Anyway, God's spirit encountered me in the privacy of my home, and I had a very dramatic uh, awakening to him. And, you know, in that experience, he did not rebuke me for the way I was living. He didn't say, you know, you stop living like that. But he said, stop resisting me, learn of me, and invited me into relationship with him. And I began that journey of discovery. And I always say he, he began to bring cleansing to defilement. He began to bring healing to my angry, wounded heart. And then he dressed himself up in skin and began to love me very potently through the church I began going to. And uh, I, I marvel at how well they loved me, even though we are talking 40 years ago when they would have probably felt quite inadequate uh, if you were to have surveyed them. Uh, but they really loved me well. They both uh, accepted me, took me like I was, but then they also advocated and held me accountable to grow into a, a more responsible steward of my life. But they shared that journey with me. So that was the real foundation that helped my life grow forward. Uh, I always say, do not underestimate what you can bring to a person. You don't have to be a therapist or a theologian to be able to love somebody well. And it may not be all the stuff you don't know, but perhaps how God has convinced you that he loves you. You can share that with others. So my church did that well, and it paved the way forward for me. And and how when you talk about that transformational journey, uh, that pathway, from a from a practical um, understanding of how that unfolded, yeah. What I mean, what were some of the things that you you did uh, with that transformation from a day to day yeah, basis? Absolutely. Uh, I. I you know, the gift of retrospect is amazing because you can look backward and see what maybe at the time you didn't know how to fully appreciate. So to summarize it for our time here, I was kind of immersed in God family. So uh, I lived next door to Christian people who led me to their church. Uh, I had moved away from one city to another to kind of escape those influences. And having just landed in this new community, it just so happened providentially to be next door to these uh, apartments where the people took me to their church that happened to be this wonderful place I'm talking about. So there they quickly wove me into the, the life of that church. So I was in a home group and the leader of my home group would later be the best man at my wedding. Uh, you know, we, I've been married for 37 years. I'm a dad and a granddad, but that real formation began in my home group. Mm. And then also I belonged to a men's group. And therefore we had our monthly meetings. I was also a student uh, getting my theological training with many of those same brothers. Uh, and, and then not only going to church and to home group and the men's group, but I had begun volunteering as an intern in a ministry. I was, of course, in no way ready to be an influencer. I was still being quite invested in. 
But there, I had humble tasks, but still it put me in an environment where mature people were all around me. And just in the day-to-day, their investments and their mentoring and discipling. Uh, It was gold to my life. And again, really fed into that foundation that I could build my life on. Now, you spent, as you mentioned, three decades in in ministry. Mm. In in regards to, to sexuality, how has our culture transformed Well, to kind of summarize it, in one season of my life, I was punished by church and culture because of my sexual living. Mm. Now I'm punished by some churches and our culture at large because I don't live like I used to. So just in my lifetime, especially in the Western world, there's been a complete uh, reversal of attitude on these concerns. And, uh, You know, the upside, I'd say this, and especially as it relates to church culture, since society has cornered us to have to address these concerns, well, now we really have no recourse but to not just gain understanding about our human nature, why are we vulnerable, and what we can do about it. It's requiring us to realize that judging and rejecting people isn't winning people. So now that we've seen what hasn't worked all these years, it's forced us into finding a redemptive solution of what will work. How can we project God's loving character to a world that thinks he hates them? How can we help people who need to be discipled, perhaps forward out of some ditch of a life-controlling issue, like, say, pornography or having been wounded through sexual abuse or, or simply being hungry for love? Services don't make you feel loved. Sermons and improved lifestyles, uh, you know, cults can offer that. It, it, the unique factor of Christianity is the hallmark of our relating to God and each other. Uh, And so I think this is requiring us to uh, review that maybe the way we've done it in the past was appropriate for that season, but this is a new season, and we have to upgrade the way that we disciple and project God uh, and his character into our society. You know, relationships are so important to a healing process. That's right. Uh, how, How can our listeners help people in their lives, friends, family, you know, coworkers who are struggling with sexual issues? How, how, how can they just personally th- begin to reach out? And I appreciate that question so much because we all do encounter people who are in various kinds of need. And um, I would just say, first of all, relax. If you're not a therapist, you don't have to pretend to be one. Uh, it's not, again, everything that you don't know. It's what do you know? Has God convinced you that he loves you? If so, how so? Maybe, you know, think about that, clarify it, and can you offer that to someone else? Uh, I also think to be able to say to somebody, you know, look, I'm really glad you felt you could share that with me. I've never been down that path. You know, for example, to say, I've never been abused, but you know, I really am glad you felt you could share that with me. I am very happy to love you, listen to you, and pray with you. But you know, also it might be good if we dig a little deeper and maybe find a therapist that's a good fit for you. Maybe we find out some resources, some books or testimonies where where God has raised up these voices to provide resources to help you go forward. There's no shame in wanting to walk forward and deal with some of these things, but I'm not a theologian or a therapist to help in that regard. But as a friend, I'd love to be part of an encouragement in your life. I think that's good care, even if you're not pretending to be the counselor. You don't have to be to, to encourage people. As Christian educators, what can we do to teach our students about sexual health and how can we help those students we know are struggling. Sure. Well, I think you've already somewhat given us part of the answer, and that is you already have that awareness. 
you know, I, I love speaking in universities and, and in colleges. These are young adults at the crossroad of their their new beginning, if you will. They've left home, they've left high school, and whatever was good uh, has brought them to this point. And also the, the negative experiences, some may be coming from very broken environments or abusive environments. They're now on the cusp of a new opportunity. Um, maybe the blank spots can be filled in a healthy way. Uh, maybe healing can happen to help set them up for, for a better going forward in life. And so I think your awareness as a school, even to bring someone like me in to speak to these concerns. It, it embodies the idea, we know there are needs, we care about you, and we're going to bring uh, redemptive insight and solution to you. We're not going to just lecture and moralize. We're not going to set up the idea of a shame and a judgment, but rather, you know, if there are problems, fair enough. Life gives us problems and disadvantage, but God is our advantage. But in practical ways, here's how. So I think you already do that, the way that you train your, your um, team that serve the students, the kind of content you allow in chapel, the connection you have to resources in your community. Are, it's the language of responsible uh, um, discipling of, of your charges, if you will. So already the winning question is there, what can we do, shows that awareness. And what would be that one thing you want churches to understand? I think more of that because it's it's when you're working with young adults, it's very evident soon. When you're a youth pastor too, you see very clearly, oh my goodness, we've got some kids, you know, who who are the homeschooled nearly Amish, uh, you know, who who haven't had these conversations. And then we have kids from the hood. There is no stone left unturned for them. They they have been there, done that, and their carnal knowledge really needs to be addressed. Uh and, and youth pastors, I think labor with that tension even more than you might see in a general congregation. Uh, so I think Bible college, liberal arts colleges, Christian liberal arts colleges, uh, really need to upgrade these conversations so that graduates can have like 20 hours of education about human dynamics, why we struggle, what makes us vulnerable, and then what we can do about that so that we can manage our own integrity and then lead out of that, that next generation. So I really appreciate that question because the disadvantage many pastors have found for years is that, and I've heard it again and again as I do pastor's clinics, Bible college never prepared me uh, to be a therapist, much less deal with these things. And I would say, fair enough, pastor. I'm not here to lament or criticize, but what can we do now to upgrade, fill in those blank spots so that we can demonstrate not only a greater integrity. Sure, I'm a human. Yes, I have these struggles, but here's how I've learned to deal and you can learn to deal too. If it works for me, it'll work for you. So I think that day is now upon us. And a younger generation uh, is much more conversant with these concerns. It is part of their authenticity. They're not afraid. They're not put off by these conversations. They are eager to be mentored and to have uh, that, those blank spots filled. So it's a much better day in that regard for the future. But upgrading the pastors today is really important so that we can bring solution instead of people wearing masks and struggling unnecessarily. Right. What um, someone may be listening right now who is struggling yeah. deeply mm. with uh, sexuality, what advice would you give them in this moment, uh, especially when they, they feel like there is no hope for that change? I would say when you feel like there is no hope, your perspective has become eclipsed. 
And yet God is the lifter of our head who lifts us up and gives us a new perspective. And uh, I would say that that was the truth for me. I, I can so appreciate feeling trapped by the nature of these struggles and being not understood by other people and even by people who didn't care to understand. And if God had not, if you will, parted the heavens and illumined me, I don't know what would have happened because an intellectual argument would not have won me. And so my great prayer for you, if you're listening and struggling uh, in any way for yourself or for a loved one, whether it's a historical issue like abuse, whether it's attractions you don't understand and want, whether it's some other issue, a weakness like, say, pornography or some compulsive behavior, God loves you and he understands you and he wants you. He is not mad at you. You are not bad. You are merely human and vulnerable. And I would love him to change your perspective with an, a revelation, an illumination that you matter to him, that if he begins to address these concerns in your life, it is not uh, that you are trying to earn his love. He already loves you. You're not earning salvation and righteousness. Jesus gives those to you. But because you belong to God, he, he would love to see you master these things that seem to have you cornered right now. And it only seems that they have you cornered. There's always a way out and a way forward. And so uh, don't give up on you. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on your future. I, I'm a dad and a granddad, and I can say it quite authentically and out of my own experience with God, too. I would rather have a kid who is messy than have no kid at all. And God won't leave you in the trap of messy. He knows how to take you forward. This is your issue listening to me right now. Your issue is not his first rodeo. This is the God who has a history of redeeming sexuality. Rahab the prostitute, Jesus comes from her family lineage. Samson and King David both fell into, a, into sexual misadventure, but that was not the rest of the story. God redeemed all of that because they trusted God's character. They came to their senses and returned to him and he restored anointing upon their lives. I think of the trio of bad girls, Mary Magdalene and the, the woman caught in adultery and the woman at the well all had personal encounters with the Christ who rocked their world, changed their perspective and gave them honor and dignity. We read of them today, reminding us that when others judge you, God's perspective is the one that matters above them all. Don't let shame be that barrier between you and God. Your issues are simply human, and God has a history of redeeming these things. Even Paul wrote 2,000 years ago to the church in Corinth, a very sexualized church, people all over the map with issues. He said, some of you used to be involved in all manner of sexual misadventure, but you're God's now. He's made you clean and actually put his very spirit in you. You are the temple. So God knows how to deal with your issue too. Maybe your church culture hasn't told you that, but I promise you, God does in his word. And there are resources, there are therapists, there are support groups, there are counseling programs, there are books written, there are websites available to encourage you that you don't have to face this all by yourself. So I hope that this 2019 will be a much better year going forward for you. If you struggle, well, get in line with the rest of it, but don't let, don't let the struggle defeat you and be a barrier between you and God. Let it be the very thing that causes you to run right to him. Wow, powerful encouragement. Uh, before uh, we close our, our conversation out with a quick lightning round of fun <laughs> questions, uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned there are great resources. What would be 
just a couple of resources that might be good to uh, point them to. Well, and, and because there are so many types of needs, let me just give you a one-stop shop. Uh, you know, uh, even at, and if I can do a little plug for my own website, oh, sure, cyrogers.com, S-Y-R-O-G-E-R-S, cyrogers.com. Uh, there we have some downloads that are available to you that deal with why we struggle, what we can do about it. I mean, I have little 45-minute teachings. I have 10-minute teachings on retraining that brain and putting off old patterns by putting on new patterns. But also, we've got a four-hour event called Man Talk. And, you know, this really goes into the heart of a lot of the struggles that especially men are facing. So whether you have a, a, you know, if a woman is listening now, this material is also applicable to you. But also if you have a son or a brother or a dad or a spouse, you know, a man in your world that might find some benefit from these insights, you know, cyrogers.com. But there is a website. It's called recoverybooks.com. And while I'd love them to upgrade some of their graphic arts on that, um, and I'm not going to say I'm endorsing everything that's on that website, you know, buyer beware, chew through with discernment and discretion. At recoverybooks.com, the thing I'm pointing to here is that there are all these books in all these categories of human struggle, from addiction to abuse to marriage or single concerns, for, for all kinds of issues are represented. And all of them have, each category of need has all these books and resources available just to let you know, if you never did, God has been faithful over the years to raise up this myriad of voices and varied resources to encourage you. You know, what's that scripture in Isaiah? The enemy may come in, comma, but like a flood. God raises up a standard. That doesn't mean rules for you. It means resources and solutions for you appropriate in our times. So check it out at recoverybooks.com. Begin your journey of learning right there. And who knows where God will lead you, but all kinds of good resources are out there. That's great. Well, let's close uh, our conversation out. A quick lightning round, two or three questions right. here. First one, uh, besides God's word, the scripture, uh, profoundly impacting your life. You bet. Is there a favorite leadership book that has impacted you that you can think through? You know, there's so many. And I have to say one that's been really helpful to me. And I... Uh, it's really more of a devotional, but it's been uh, my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. Yes, it's a great book. Uh, it just really spoke a devotional life to me in my early Christendom that uh, helped kind of like a, uh, it just kind of helped me align. Uh, it really, he articulated well my own heart and cry for God that I really wanted to live. I, I, quit, I can't change my past, but I can make a new history going forward. And he so well articulated that. But frankly, there have been so many wonderful books. Uh, and I've read a lot. Uh, I think in part because of my leadership role, a lot of publishers would bring books to me. Uh, so there are many books. I like a book by uh, Andrew Kamisky, Strength and Weakness. The idea that, you know, uh, just because I'm born again does not make me invulnerable. But being born again gives me access to God. And he, by his spirit, access to me so that I can find the way to deal with my humanity. And instead of it shaming me out, it means I run to my empathetic high priest. I may be weak, but he is strong. I may have been the sinner, but he's the savior. Um, I get dirty, but he makes me clean. Uh, so books that help me reckon with my humanity always will be highlighted in my, in my library. If you could go back to when uh, you were 10 years of age, mm -hmm. what leadership advice would you give yourself? You know, I, 
I can answer that question in a way that God did make available to me at that time in my life. Um, I had two wonderful Christian grandmothers, and one was an intercessor for me. She spent a lot of her time to my face loving me because I didn't have a mom uh, for a long time until my dad remarried when I was older. But she, as not only a maternal figure, but she was a strong Christian and she was an intercessor. And so the example I derived from her was the example that I love you, messy and all, and I will always be that safe corner. But uh, I think a lot of 10-year-olds need a safe corner. And that's where even if their home is broken and as a Christian worker, you can't fix it, where they have access to you, that can still be a safe corner. And I think the other Christian grandmother, she used to, more in answering this question, she used to speak words of life over me. She would say things like, uh, especially during the very dark season of my uh, middle school and uh, teenage high school years. It was so dark. And I think one of the reasons why I never seriously entertained suicide, when I felt quite trapped, uh, she would say, one day you'll turn the corner. One day it won't be like this. One day you'll come through and, and you know, you'll reach that place. And what she said came true. I believed her. And what she said came true. So uh, never underestimate the ability of your intercession for people, even behind their back. Your prayers matter. God hears you and responds, but also um, your words of life spoken to people. All right, here are a couple of fun questions. You have a day off when your calendar's cleared, and you've actually been <laughs> mandated to have a perfect day off. What would that day look like? Oh, my goodness. At the seashore with the kids and the grandkids. I just think that's heaven on earth to me. It really can't get much better. I, I, I never imagined that I would ever be a dad and a granddad. And so for me, that's treasure. Final question. What historical leader living or dead would you most like to have a cup of coffee with? Oh, you know, I was just thinking of that. Um, I'd love, in two ways. If I want to be spiritual, I think I'd like to talk to Lazarus because I'd like to know what was it like on the other side and what tales would he have to tell about that experience and how would that prepare him to die again because Lazarus got to die twice. Right. <laughs> so I'd love to hear that story because as I'm older now, the idea of the world beyond this one becomes more clarified for me. And, uh, and then I think, uh, you know, people like Alexander Solzhenitsyn, or Michael Molinos, who wrote The Spiritual Guide uh, in the Middle Ages, uh, the 1500s. Um, uh, they were both very persecuted for their faith, and yet they became strong voices of influence as a consequence. Uh, even Martin Luther King, you know, these are people, because I have suffered persecution, and I have been, uh, if you will, uh, unjustly vilified in the eyes of some, uh, drawing from their experience is very heartening for me. It helps me stand up uh, that in this life, there will be people who misunderstand. There, there can be that persecution that comes because people misconstrue you and your efforts. Uh, even before I was a Christian, the people who felt justified in holding me in contempt, uh, drawing from their experience and where did they find their strength and what lessons can be learned and what have they to say in our time. I think it's really important for me. Cy Rogers, thanks for joining us on Framework Leadership today. It's been a privilege. Thank you, and Dr. Engel. Make sure you check out cyrogers.com for some great resources. Bless you. 
To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.